Hey everybody, this is Danny Atwell from Dark Charm Media, and we want to thank everybody that stuck with us through our hiatus, but guess what? We're back, and we are better than ever. We have a more amazing things coming down the line this entire year, so stay tuned. So as reward for sticking around with us, we're going to give you a bonus episode this month of Burt McGonagall's Brotherhood of Ridiculous People. And that baby starts right now. They came from the four corners of America to defend our way of life, to boldly stand against the forces of darkness when the USA needed them most. Sadly, they didn't do a very good job of it. But hey, they can't all be winners, right? Burt McGonagall's The Tales of the Brotherhood of Ridiculous People starts now. Episode 8, Whistle While You Work. After their brand new heist ended once more in complete success, Levec Noir and Peony Rouge stepped through the portal and suddenly appeared back in their safe house in Avignon, France. The black canvas bags they were carrying were filled with American dollar banknotes, registering over a half million in gold coins, exotic jewelry, and more. The bags immediately slipped out of the black bishop's hands as he stumbled onto the couch nearby. The red pawn pulled off his own mask while helping straighten the bishop on the couch before taking off his ornate mask. The bishop began to cough up blood. It's okay, I get it all up. The one called Peony Rouge was a red-haired man who had to be at least in his early 30s, with freckles all over his face. His master, the one called Levec Noir, was a much older man in his late 60s, with silver hair. The black bishop grabbed a metal device out of his pocket and put it into his throat. Get the waste can. The smaller partner grabbed the waste can and put it under the mouth of the coughing bishop. Once his fit subsided, the red pawn sat down next to him. Remy, you're not getting any better. Once he was able to catch his breath, Levec Noir put his voice box over his throat again. That's the whole point, Etienne. I'm not going to get better. This is why we need to do as much as possible. The red pawn stood up from the couch and walked towards the valuables in their possession. Your ability to teleport. Whatever you want to do, it's, it's essential for what we need to do. But it's fueled by nicotine. It's slowly killing me. Hey, we'll need the new black bishop soon. The older man smiled with blood-stained teeth. Are you that eager to get rid of me? And besides, no one has the power I have. You could say those things. I don't want you to die. In fact, I want to find a way to use what you can do and not die from lung cancer. Remy struggled with breathing, but finally got a little under control. Nothing is going to stop that now. I just want to cause as much chaos as I can. Before I meet my end. Peony Rouge nodded as he picked up the phone. I will call Jacques for the laundering. 
He opened the bags to see that the safeguards used by the bank were still active. But since they teleported away from the bank, that sensor didn't explode, the packets of blue ink that would render the cast useless and tainted. Luckily, Etienne knew how to disable these as he pulled out his kit while Remy closed his eyes to rest. Why don't you tell me a little bit about your mentor? Remy Bossoin, the man that would become Le Vagnoano, had been dead to bed him from the very beginning. Born a bastard, child of his mother Amelia, a high-end prostitute, she, he never knew his father. At age of five, his mother was stabbed to death in a dark encounter, and he was put into the social service system. He was 11 when he became adopted by an American. But what? For the embassy, of course. But after he got into trouble, you know, young boys, they do what they do. They gave him back to juvenile services. He was 16 when he went back. He was living the good life. No. You know. Sex. Violence. Drugs. Rock and roll. Not rock and roll, really. It's not that big of a fan, but it's the lifestyle. It's on the streets. He was introduced to nicotine. Cigarettes. It sealed his fate. When he contracted lung cancer. Is that right? But the nicotine had an effect on him. He found out he was able to mentally leave his body and travel wherever he wanted. And then summon his body to where he was. This allowed him to leave prison at any time he wanted and return. Nobody knew, not the guards, not the warden. As he got really, really good at practicing his ability, he found with good, steady nicotine in his system, he could do a lot. Without it, though, things went badly. So he made sure that he was wearing a patch, chewed nicotine gums, or he smoked. He could uh, call small things to him and away from him that would make those he stole puzzled as to how he did it. Years rolled by, mm-hmm. and Remy gains the confidence of a new cellmate, ones that he could trust with his powers and abilities. Moi, please continue. I, Etienne Roble, met him after I was incarcerated for gunning down a piece of shit former co-worker in cold blood. The motherfucker deserved it. Not ratted me out to the police. I am a French-born Canadian who was extradited back to France from Quebec after I was convicted of several counts of racketeering, misconduct, grand larceny, and jaywalking. This was all before I killed my first man at age 25. There would have been no chance for parole, and there was no chance in hell I would have ever gotten out of prison if it weren't for Remy. Even as uh, his health began to deteriorate, I swore an oath because Remy had saved me and I would do anything for him. This meant becoming Bjorn Rouge. It was the least I could do. Were you lovers? What kind of question is that? It gives us a better context of the relationship you both shared. No, no, no. We are very, very good friends. 
I will miss him very much now that he has gone. Hi! Would you like a hot dog? A tall man with a paper hat and a white uniform asked Agent Philip Jenkins as he stood before him at the hot dog stand across the street from the motel the gang was staying at on their quest to the west. Yes, give me five of them. PJ said as he put a 20 down on the table. He began to whistle, Baby I Love Your Way by Peter Frampton, and everyone in line began to sway and dance with his whistling. PJ looked behind him to Gladys, who was listening from afar. She too was dancing. Everything in his being wanted to do the same, but he waited until the hot dogs were finished. How do you do that? Well, it's really simple. I made sure that I got quality kosher-style beef dogs, put a little bit of pickle juice in the cooking steam, and... No, I meant with your whistling. Huh? Your whistling. How do you get people to react that way to your whistling? I guess, I guess I'm just good at it. When you have talent, people will encourage you for it. People come all around to have a pep hot dog. Pep hot dog? Does it have caffeine or crack in it or something? Nope, but that's a good one. Pep is my name, Oliver Pep the Third, but my friends call me Ollie. Ollie, I'm Agent Philip Jenkins of the CIA. Have you ever wanted to serve your country? I already have, sir. Spent three tours of duty in Iraq and Afghanistan. Really? Well, I'd like to perform some tests, if you please. I think he'd be an excellent candidate for the president's new initiative. Ali looked at the watch on his wrist. That sounds lovely. I shut down the stand at three. Where would you want to meet? Don't worry about it. We'll be coming to you. Jenkins walked back over to the group. What did you find? At f- 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 first, Gladys had a sharp... But then she started dancing uncontrollably to what she said was, Baby, I love your way. Gladys shook her head, as if coming back to normal. His whistling. It was almost like emotion controlling or something. It made me just want to be happy. Now give me that dog! Jenkins nodded his head as Gladys ate vigorously. It made me feel that way too. Guy's name's Oliver Peck III. And I'll get to the bottom of this. We, we might actually have another candidate. Hey, don't let us your grief, PJ. What do you mean? You were n- 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 never that excited to see either of us. <laughs> Even after I offered you that blowjob. Darla. It's true. This guy is getting you more hot and bothered than a whole book of call girls. I can see you're excited. He's got potential. But as always, there's got to be something wrong for this guy to fit in with yeah. us. Yeah. He's got to have a... Salacious secret or some weird background quirk. Maybe he's just a nice guy who doesn't want to hurt anyone. Please state your name for the record. Oliver Pep the Third, sir. And where are you from? Uh, Lots of different places, but I was born in Madison, Nebraska. That's a unique place. Where's that located? Oh, that's in the northeast part of the state. So now you run a hot dog stand at a Pueblo, Colorado? I came back here after my last tour of duty. I had family that used to live out here, but my granduncle died three months ago. Since I'm making money hand over fist with the stand, I'm leery to leave and go someplace else. So, let's talk about your gift. (laughs) I know, right? My hot dogs are so good. No, I mean your whistling. 
I don't know how much of a gift it is. I just whistle when I'm working and any chance I can or feel like it. I don't think of myself as a world-class whistler. So you have no idea what your whistling does? Uh, I see where you're getting at. Enlighten me. It's my magnetic charisma. People feel good when I whistle. Happy songs. Do you ever whistle anything depressing, like ballads or anything? Hmm. Sometimes if I'm depressed, I will whistle a love ballad or something. How do people react to you doing this? Not sure. Never really tested it before. Agent Mills sat down at her desk when a telephone call came across to her cell phone. The hell is a cell phone? Anyway, she answered it almost immediately. Agent Mills? I found a guy that could seriously be a force to be reckoned with. The... the me the medium guy from California? No! We were on our way out there on a motel stay when we found a hot dog guy who could whistle! That... doesn't sound very special. <sighs> That's not what I meant. I mean that this guy can control people's emotions with his whistling. What type of control are we talking about? I'll get a better idea on the extent soon, but I need you to do me a favor. Are you back in Washington? Yep. Both Vel and Willie are getting in some recreational time. Why? I know I was supposed to meet the medium out in California, but this has taken extreme precedence. Can you take a flight out to California to meet up with him? Uh, I would have to leave here soon and without Willie and Vel, but yeah. Yeah, I, I could be there by tomorrow afternoon. Good, because my experiment might Rod Stiles sat in a well-lit room with Ollie Pep. PJ fitted him with a pair of earbuds that would allow Ollie to listen to him, but not influence Rod. Okay, Mr. Pep. You can call me Ollie, sir. Okay, Ollie. Does it look like Rod can hear me? I need vocal confirmation, Ollie. Oh, no, sir. He can't hear you. Good, okay. I want to make sure that the songs that you whistle do not adversely affect him before you even pucker up. Now. I cannot believe you put Rod in there. What if he has a flare-up? He volunteered, Gladys, which is much more I can say for you. And besides, I wanted to see if what he whistles can take effect on someone who probably never heard the songs before. Rod doesn't listen to the radio or music in general unless he plays it himself with an instrument. It's not like there's a two-way mirror or something. You're on a phone call with him. And how are you able to shut off the power in the room? PJ rolled his eyes. Okay, Ollie. Um, whistle something happy. Rod tapped his foot and bobbed his head along with the whistling. Ah, look, 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 look. Like that one. Okay, Ollie, stop. Okay, uh, do something depressing. Sir? Whistle something depressing. The happiness that was on Rod's face went from jovial to depressed. After a few bars, Rod began bawling like a baby. <laughs> song is so... Sad. <laughs> okay, play something seductive. Uh, 
I don't know if that's a good idea, sir. What are you afraid of, old Rod over there giving you something bad? Yes. Yes, I am, sir. Darla tugged at PJ's shirt. PJ, look. <laughs> a nimbus of energy which seemed to twitch around Rod as he continued to cry. PJ started to panic. Ollie, get out of there. Ollie's lanky body jumped up from its seat and ran to the door, but the door was stuck. PJ tried to get him out, but the door wouldn't budge. Ollie backed away from the door and headed to the window. PJ watched in amazement as Ollie began to whistle in a high-pitched tone. Enough to crack and shatter the glass window of the room, and enough time for Ollie to escape, as Rod sent an electronic burst from his body, shorting out anything that might have been electrical and turned off in the room. The lattice jumped to Ollie. Hey, are you okay? She turned her attention back to Rod, as his hair was standing up straight and quivering like a leaf on a tree. Darla helped PJ to his feet and brushed him off. Well... That was an interesting turn of events, if I do say so myself. What happened? Was that an EMP? Gladys punched PJ in the face, knocking him unconscious. Maybe your brilliant ass caused this. I'm going home! But we're in Colorado. How are you going to get there? Gladys morphed into her Batwoman form. I'm flying there, sister. I have had it. This guy is unsafely experimenting on us, and you know it. We're all in danger. I'm going home to my Ricardo. I need to be with my family. Rod saw what was going on and tried to crawl out of the room. Gladys, we're a team. We're the furthest thing from a team, Rod. Do me a favor. Just go home to Frank. At least he's not going to put you through shit like this. Darla, it's been real, but I think life in Mapleville will be better for you than being here with us. Gladys waved as she flew away. Ollie turned towards Darla. Where does she live? Texas. Then why is she flying north? You've been listening to the Brotherhood of Ridiculous People. In the cast you heard, Bert McGonagall played by Robert Hunter. Peony Rouge and Levesque Noir played by Miguel Pedroza. Darla Somerville and Allison Mills played by Emily McAnulty. Gladys Hamilton, played by Stacey Atwell. Agent Philip Jenkins, played by Danny Atwell. Oliver Pep, played by Paul Schroyer. And Rod Stiles, played by Dan Mac McCloskey. Special effects by Zapsplat.com. Dark Charm Media, copyright 2022. All rights reserved. Baby, I Love Your Way by Peter Frampton. Celebration by Cool and the Gang. Careless Whisper by Wham. If you like this Super Silly Stories and want to hear more from Dark Charm Media, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and give us a five-star review. If you didn't like it, why are you still listening? If you're still listening, you must like it. Give it a five-star review. And if you don't like it, give it a five-star review anyway.